podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, definitely Monday this week. It is Monday. It is Monday, just. Excellent. Um, I am Craig Cairns, I haven't written any intros because time has been quite short for me recently, well free time has been non-existent, Um, but I have with me Tom Watt. Hello. And Craig Anderson. Good evening. And we're just going to talk through the, we're going to go through our usual Monday roundup of the Premiership matches. Let's start with yesterday's live matches and the um, match at Rugby Park, which Celtic came away with with a 1-0 win after a last-minute goal from Alex Bruce's hand. Yeah, well, sad, sadly, sadly we're not doing this one last, which would have been um, preferable um, for a 0-0 <laughs> draw, um, which is the way it looked like it was going very much like um, Kelly's game at home to Rangers last week. It was one of those games that just looked like it was petering out, probably... Um, Celtic had kind of huffed and puffed a bit, especially at the very start of the game. Kelly thrown right into it. Celtic had another spell. They didn't... I didn't feel worried they were going to score at any point, to be honest. And then even down to 10 men, it looked like they'd maybe run out of ideas a little bit. Obviously, they were getting a bit more space, but Kelly were defending the box so well. And then it's um, it's just one um, one moment where uh, Liam Miller, um, who had just been brought on as a sub and experienced... Falls asleep and leaves Brown kind of unmarked on the edge of the box, and and that's that's the difference in quality where Kelly are bringing on Liverpool Boney, who's barely played a senior game, and Celtic are bringing on thirteen million pound Oliver Burke <laughs> and PSG wonder kid uh, Timothy Weir, and that's uh, that that ultimately is the difference between the sides because. I felt for for eighty nine minutes, Kelly and match Celtic as as they have done regularly, with with the exception of um of the Celtic part match. Yes. Yeah, 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 and it sparked absolutely shameful scenes at the end. Of. Yeah, good to see, good to see Weir getting right in. That was that, that was like sarcastic. Indoctrinated very early on, and yeah, um, could, could, sorry on Weir. What, what was the green thing? Why did he have a green tongue? I didn't see that bit. Don't know. Eating. Uh, don't know. It's been on like jelly babies or not, but not Drinking jelly babies. Yeah, yeah. It's like you've been on uh, that. You know that frog cocktail we used to get when you went. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. And it was like the Blue Wicked mixed with uh, Smirnoff Ice or something like that. <laughs> it looked like you'd been drinking. What's making that green? Are you not talking about Venom? The uh, uh, what's his name? Jamie Robson's drink of choice. Yeah, I, I, I'm not down with the kids. Like I have absolutely no concept of like modern. Um, going out culture because I'm more likely to be sitting at home getting drunk <laughs> not drinking green drink now, I, I tend to steer clear of, of most green things uh, grass I, I kind of avoid it sometimes but um, I try to prefer the plastic if it's available <laughs> um, we might talk about that we might uh, talk about that but no, but no you're, you're right like um, it was uh, the pitch invasion and stuff at the end that, that doesn't bother me it's like it's just ironic that Celtic um 
fans had been criticising Rangers for very similar, and then do it and for chucking coins. Yeah, but no, there was a, there was an awful lot of uh, the wind blowing in a very different direction after that because you know Brendan Rodgers saying it's disgraceful that the rules are they ruin the game. I mean that that was exactly the sort of booking. That you know, there are times when players like celebrate a bit over the top and they get a yellow card, and you're like, "Come on, roll your eyes about it." But that was exactly what that rule was brought in for to stop that kind of overreaction. Yeah, yeah. I think there was one a couple of weeks ago when Weir scored late on at McDermott Park, and the referee told him that the reason he didn't book him is because there wasn't a surge towards him or something online, or it didn't spill over. It was something like because he had booked was it Forest before that in the same game. We're going to the crowd, so it, I mean, it's a wildly inconsistently applied rule. Um, mm-hmm. it's particularly when players have got already got a booking, they do tend to get referees mm-hmm. do tend to show either mm-hmm. a slight disregard for the rules or common sense. I, I look forward to, uh, on. to VAR when Scott Brown scores exactly that same goal, <laughs> runs to the crowd celebrating, gets the yellow card and then the goal gets disallowed and he still has to go off for <laughs> celebrating a goal that doesn't even count. No, um, but I, I think it was a, yeah, for for a man who's essentially a very high-priced Mark Birchall, Wales got a very, <laughs> very uppity about being the man brought on to score the third in a 3-1 win. But what do you think of Celtic's performance overall? Um, I, I think it was it was muted. Like you said, it, it, it almost felt like, given all the results the day before, they weren't massively bothered if they only got a job given they'd had problems before uh, given Kilmarnock played very well um, and you know in that sort of backhanded compliment that slightly patronising way they would have been quite happy to get a point and it's a testament to how far Kilmarnock have come and all that sort of nonsense but I thought they were considering how fluid they've been in, in recent weeks and considering the difference that particularly Burke's made um, and how many more attacking options they seem to have had in the last couple of weeks, it was really muted. They didn't seem to have a huge amount of ideas. And within, I mean, to sort of show the flip side of it, they've kind of gone from meekly looking like they were going to accept a point which would have been fine given everywhere else to pretty much winning the league. Yeah, exactly. RIP Rangers title hopes. Yeah, I think, to be fair to Celtic, their defensive performance was very, very good. Um, Tall Jan, um, I know Craig Fowler was speaking about him on the extra $5 Patreon um, and kind of obviously talking about his um, performance in Europe in midweek where he was a bit, um, like the rest of them, a bit out of his depth against a very good Valencia team. But he kept Jordan Jones very quiet yesterday. Um, both Celtic central defenders were very good. Um, and and down the left, Hayes had a really good game. Um, to the extent that you maybe have started to think it was a mistake not to pick him um, midweek. Um, and so, in I think Hayes would have made much of a no, difference. No, no, I mean, not I, but he's, he's not as bad as he's a Geary, I think you look at players like uh, Tol- Toljan yeah. uh, and even Burke, how they are quite dominant. Domestically, and they just they, they, they can't make the step well, up. At least, maybe not individually, but at least in that team or the way that Rogers sets them out, or whatever it is. But fundamentally, they they're they're the best team in the league, which is why yeah. they are winning the league. And it's, it's moments like that. Um, it's not the first time they've done it. Recently, they won the game late. They won the game late at um, St Johnston, but it was it was two late goals. Um, they're just they're just. When you get down to those moments and you need the moment of quality or you need the um, opponent not to switch off, Kelly can match Celtic for 
a large spell of the game, but there's always that one mistake, or in this case, two mistakes. It was Broadfoot, which is indefensible. In it's the wild. It was wild. I, I mean, I see a few people say they thought he was he was kind of going to do Brown, and there probably might have been some extent to that. But I think as much as anything, he was just he was just going after a ball because that's what he does. And it's just very high yeah, though, and high you're and catching late, somebody that high with your, yeah, no, your no, studs it's, showing. It's a, it's, yeah. You seem to have a lot of time to think about it as well. Yeah, but. I mean, and as I heard somebody else say, um, I can't remember where, but it was just in an area on the pitch where he just didn't need to yeah, do it as yeah. well. Um, but so yeah, it's frustrating from a Kelly point of view, but it's made a bit better by the fact that, as I say, we didn't lose out much, given that that nobody else round about has won over the weekend. Um, so, is it a concern that Kelly have now not won in five matches? I won't, it is, it's always a concern when you go from winning nearly every week to not How win. much of a concern is it if they come on to buy matches, Greg? I'm not hugely bothered at the moment because the run of games is particularly hard. We've come back from the winter break, we've played Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, Dundee, Rangers, Celtic, and then it's going to be Rangers again. Um, and then we've got Rangers again before the, <laughs> before the split. Um, and uh, so... Oh yeah, it started brilliantly with the the win. Um, well, Rangers I just keep saying that word over and over. The win there, obsessed, and then mate. Drew up at <laughs> drew up at Pitodry, which is a, a fine result. You'd, you'd always be happy with that. And then the one since then, um, losing at home at Hearts was a big blow. I was more more annoyed about that one. Because, I think out the fixtures. I mean, I, yeah. I know earlier you were kind of fishing a little bit on the WhatsApp group, but I think when you list all those fixtures, the Hearts one at home is definitely the most the disappointing. One, yeah. yeah, going to Dundee, they, they've got better. Okay, you, you might expect to win that, and then drawn drawn now at home at Rangers, fine, especially the cup game, take it to Ibrox, and what could have been a nil nil draw yesterday. So the big challenge now is those three. I mean, every, up to the split, it's much, much more favourable now as a result of having got a lot of games out of the way. The next three fixtures are Livingston away and then Muller and St Mirren at home. You'd be hoping for seven points at least from that. And if, if they can get that and get back on track, you're starting to look again at Europe at the very least, but there's definitely no reason you can't finish second. I like how um, Clark pretty much refused to um, rule out a title challenge in his post-match interview. He wasn't quite asked um, um, if the title challenge was still on. He was asked if Celtic could be stopped or something like that, and he kind of said, well, we're not going to give up. We're, we're, uh... Win every game and see what happens. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I think he's very much like that, because he's kept saying, like, even he's always been like, oh, we'll just try to, try to stay up, and then it's like, oh, we'll just try to get top six, and it's like, it would take a bit of a, a, a major collapse not to get top six. Yeah, exactly. It's possible, but uh, yeah. he's he's just one of the guys. He's, you're never going to get much out of him um, from that side of things. You may get a lot out of him in terms of uh, patter, but uh, like try to dig people out, but not for the... Speaking of patter, let's move on to the next game where we're going to talk about Hearts goalkeepers. Now, they seem to be pretty good Hearts goalkeepers until you just shoot at them. <laughs> I, I mean, that's always a flaw with a goalkeeper. Um, I mean, I say... Kick, kick the Top corner, and... tips over the bar, all that kind of stuff. They're great. But if you just hit a shot right at them... It's like some sort of Nintendo boss. <laughs> it's just like really telegraphed area that, you know, if you can hit that like the bosses on House of the Dead 4. I was thinking if, if, even the very, first, uh, the very first one on Sonic, when you, you would just like have to just go close to him until he came towards you and then just time it to like bump him. The Dr. Him Robotnik, the, yes. when he was yeah. in the Wii spaceship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> on to the game, though. Um, yeah, I mean... Pretty evenly contested. Uh, Jake Hasty looking pretty exceptional. Five and six now for him. And Motherwell seemed to be 
all the things they weren't at the start of the season, they, they didn't have width, they mm-hmm. didn't really seem to be able to dominate a midfield, they didn't seem to be able to winning second balls, they didn't seem to be able to get forward with any kind of pace. They had no goal threat. Um, there were like they were playing people out of position at fullback. All of these things have been still up to an extent. I think well, this is working for them now. Well, it's working for them now. <laughs> um, uh, and they've got this very young, very up and at um, in your face midfield who are capable of scoring incredibly good goals from a variety of different positions. Um, not, I mean, it is helped when opposition goalkeepers do some sort of like like a dog trying to bury its own <laughs> shit it was I, don't, I can't think of a better way of putting it there's like there's but, goalkeeping errors that are explainable hmm. a lot of goalkeeping errors you know he gets a back pass and he goes to kick it and he misses the ball and it's like well he went to kick it and he missed the ball you can see what he was trying to do and you can see what happened you watch Doyle there and you're like what, what was he trying to do every time you watch it and I watched it back a number of times from a number of different angles, I still can't. I'm still expecting him to save it, like, or at the very least, you know. Neil McCann was saying something about him thinking a move ahead or something, and thinking about getting down and smothering the ball and holding it to kind of kill a bit of time to take a point because Hearts were down to ten men at that point. And um, it's like seconds left. It's not going to make any difference. Yeah, he was just saying cause like there's there's no counter attack on or anything like that. He's not going to jump up and try and find one of his own players. And but I don't know. It's, it's guesswork at this point. I mean, surely uh, Doyle. And whoever he's told in the dressing room afterwards uh, are the only people that really know. But Craig Levine after the game just said, "No, I'm not having. I'm not having any excuse. It's just uh, it's yeah, just because like, Brian McLaughlin was trying to say, was it the wind? Was the sun in his eyes? All this kind of <laughs> well, thing. At that point, the goalkeeper just holds his hands up and says, I fucked up.' And they go, yeah, yeah. I okay?' And it's like, well, people make mistakes. Yeah. But it's just just a particularly egregious one. But the thing for me, you mentioned you mentioned Hasty's goal um, earlier. I hadn't seen a lot of them. I'd you know caught. A, bits and pieces of the highlights but it's my first time actually watching him play live that I know of anyway and uh, so I watched that game and I'm like I'd seen him through the weekend and saying, oh, I watched Gareth Bale before the games and I want to um, you know I want to copy him and I'm like okay I'm very 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 good and then you watch him literally within like the first 10 minutes of the game or I mean, early in we pick up the ball and do literally exactly what Gareth Bale would do cut inside just batter people for pace and mm-hmm. then smash mm-hmm. one in from the edge of the box and you're like oh and then uh, Christoph Berra doing exactly what Craig Levine said after the game they had been told not to do and that was to show him inside mm-hmm. I mean it's like it's like in that moment Christoph Berra discovered who Jake Hasty is where every, the rest of Scottish <laughs> football has been talking about him for months uh, Berra just I don't know if it's that one in, that last injury he's just caught up with them or something Rob was saying that um, and Hearts did look a bit more comfortable defensively in a back four but Rob was saying that uh, it's at a part, the left of a back three he doesn't he doesn't look comfortable there I remember when um, Hearts signed Dimitri Mitchell the first time maybe it was he said something along the lines of he can play an attacking full back on that side in a back three because Berra's good enough to play two positions and maybe at that point Berra was able to cover yeah. the left centre back and the left back side but since the injury, yeah, he's he's not looked quite the same and uh, he struggled in that position. Yeah, he, uh, he did it at Rugby Park, even early on in that game, yeah, he struggled. He got, uh, it was in Jolly, fortunately, it was up against him and not, not anyone worth um, who, who was going to trouble him. But yes, he, he looked a bit um, a bit shaky and yeah, he just he just didn't look like he could handle it. And it wasn't just, um, you know, it wasn't just that goal, just in general, the aggression of Motherwell, the kind of directness with, with Main getting on him or um, Hasty. Campbell or breaking Campbell from midfield as well, yeah. Literally whoever Very it was. Very impressive. Just, 
he just looked like a man who couldn't play there. Um, yeah, I'm not saying I think he's still got a role in that Hearts team. I think if they play him and Suter as a as a as a pairing, um, they're very strong um, because it's a more comfortable position. He doesn't have to cover the ground in the same way. He he can focus on you know staying central. Um, but I just think the introduction of Shogun saying they kind of wanting to keep playing with the back three. I, I just don't know if it's necessary for Hearts because I think they're they're a team that would maybe look, look better in a four four two, especially now now Bigucci is back. I think as well, in some sort of defence of the goalkeeper, not not a huge amount of defence there. There were a number of reasons that like Hearts didn't really deserve the point they were about to get. They were already down to ten men. They hadn't adapted the tactics. They hadn't really adapted to Motherwell style at all. You know, they're so reliant on on Stephen Naismith at the moment, um, and Motherwell were really good. You know, they were really yeah. they were really dynamic. They were they were just a team completely transformed. And I, I think given some of the the business that they did in January people thought that they might pick up a bit but they didn't That's nobody it. thought where the where mm-hmm. the kind of mm-hmm. catalyst for that would come I mean like recalling Hasty from Aloha I, don't, I didn't see any of them no, I, I saw him a couple of times and I interviewed again another plug for the Patreon I interviewed uh, Jack Hawk from the Aloha advertiser who's watched them every week and he said that he he wasn't like a standout for. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't poor. He played well in uh, quite a few games, but he wasn't one of the standout players for Aloha. And he's actually got better since he's gone to Motherwell. Sometimes confidence. It's just yeah, uh, you just get got that big chance, and sometimes it can sometimes be if he hadn't had a good first couple of games, he might have disappeared. And you never see him again, and now he's probably one of these guys that's going to yeah. you know have a big impact. But yeah, as you say, uh, Tom, it was six wins in a row um, now, including the win just before, um, you know, against Hamilton just before the break um, in the league. That is, and that's their best equal their best ever um, top flight run since, or sorry, best since the war. So it's wow, it's. You know, you after think the start of the season, yeah, they yeah. Had. Yeah. you think it's good, but it's especially good. Um, and so it's they are a very good team at the moment. Um, they'll be glad they stuck with Robinson because I think there was a few moments where where that was questionable. But he's been given a chance, as I say, as Graham was saying, he's still a young manager himself. He's learning, and he's learned. And probably was kind of by chance he stumbled upon this team, or, or what? It sometimes doesn't matter. You just have to. Take you know, be humble enough to say, okay, I've found the right team and stick with it. And for I think Robinson, for some of these flaws, he's a very humble guy. I don't think he, he really mm-hmm. has any ears and graces or ego about him, which is probably why he's um, been happy to kind of change his style completely. And uh, Jimmy Scott, is it not Jimmy Scott? What's his name? Ah, fucked it. James Scott. James Scott, the guy that came on. He isn't a myth. I've been hearing about this guy for <laughs> months and months. And finally we get an appearance from her, at least one that I, I got to see anyway. So so that was nice. That was Just nice. Don Neesmith's goal as well. It's such oh, yeah. a... So it was very funny because you, you watch him and it's like there are very few players in Scottish football would have the um, sort of creativity it's like to, to score that goal, the kind of quick thinking and it, and it was very similar right then when it went to the halftime break on the telly it showed the goal I can't remember who it was against now where he headed it flicked it was at Livingston he flicked a header over the goalkeeper um, oh it was chopped off and offside yeah well I don't yeah, know it was in the Ladbrokes it was, I don't know it, it kinda, it, the ball came to him and he was standing just in front of the goalie and he kind of back headed it over him and uh, I'm trying to think, I, think, I can't remember what game it was I, I felt like it was against Livingston but I think you're right I think it might have been the um, nil-nil recently that was it, chopped off and offside it could have been but um it's just a guy who just has that little bit in him, and it was funny, or because it, 
originally came from a scarf, like a mishit when you try, <laughs> try to shoot with his You could left. see a fan by, in one of the replays, you could see a fan behind the goal laugh at him after that first chance and then, uh, yeah, right. sticks it right up them. Um, <laughs> Getting get Uche back as well, I think, will be huge. Yeah, like, I actually thought Hearts were worthy of the point. I mean, I'm, I, I, you can't begrudge Motherwell the win. I think the edge that they were better, but I mean, I, I think I think Hearts would have been worthy of a point if it had ended that way. But um, yeah, they're there's still problems there though <laughs> there's definitely still problems there but players slowly coming back and a few others to come back still um, we'll move on to the next game up at Pataudry Rabdeen drew 2 all with St Mirren um, Duckins Nazon has another shirt to oxen off after he was cool as a banana in the refrigerator when he slotted that penalty away yeah um, I've never heard that expression before it's a real expression I promise <laughs> Why, 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 why anything in a refrigerator? Like, it's cool. Particularly it's bananas, though. It's not as cool as it can be. It's I see. kind of it's just colder it. than outside temperature. Okay, I mean, yeah, okay, you you do you. do you. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I... I where should we start with this? St. should be quite disappointed. Um, and I know, Kenny said after the game, they're... You know they would. They came for a point. They would, they were very happy with a point, but they created more than enough opportunities. They got ahead twice. Um, they had a couple of contentious calls against them, and Aberdeen were absolutely rotten for almost the entire game. And at some point, like they, they they were like fits and bursts where they looked like they they put some men on the back foot, but they they some put a back five. They looked very solid. They were getting bodies in front of things, and. They they just kind of managed to b- both stop anything coming in from wide areas really, and were breaking quickly uh, in the middle of the park. Um, there was a so there's a point maybe like 19 minutes before, I think maybe 71 minutes in, they um, Aberdeen equalised and uh, Dundee went ahead. And given how the, the the games were panning out that season, that might be quite a pivotal point in the season because because. St Mirren were the better side for almost the entire game and looked for the first time that certainly I've seen in this season like they had a game plan and they knew how to they, they all knew what their roles were and they knew kind of how to execute them um, the fact that they conceded two pretty soft goals and in many ways should have you know Cosgrove missed a pretty simple one for a third one they could easily have got nothing from a game that they they did deserve to win yeah and it's as you say like they they it's been like this for them since, basically since Kearney came in which is that you keep saying oh, there's little signs here but that that um put them five points adrift now of both uh, both Hamilton and Dundee and that's when when that size of gap starts to open up that's when you start to worry because it's not it's no longer the case of oh you win a game and you're potentially back up there. You, I don't know where that's come from. I mean, I heard that on sports sound sports scene last night as well and they've they've won sorry, they've lost they had lost their last eight before this. No, well that's what I mean. And I, they won one thirteen. I mean I'm no expert, but that that's no, relegation that, form. That, but that's what I mean you keep you keep um you keep hearing oh they're, they're turning a corner. Oh, sorry, or, yeah, right, yeah, okay, yeah. So apologies. Like, like, so they drew with Celtic um mm. in one of his first game. early games. Yeah, and you're watching like, game, okay, they're going to be good here and then they played, um, yeah. They played a few times where you've watched them and fucking beat Hearts. Yeah, yeah, but you get they get that result and people are like, okay, they're going to turn a corner. But but fundamentally, I just they're just not good enough. Like like 
they've brought in players that, that may improve them, but I'm just not sure they're improving them mm-hmm. away from from really, really, really bad to just really, really bad. They look they look incredibly incredibly fragile. I mean, in, in many ways, it's unfair to, to you know they they would have been happy with the point. They got their point. They scored a couple of goals. But they just look incredibly fragile at no point, despite being completely on top, despite looking very solid, despite you know breaking at pace and getting at at the Aberdeen centre backs time and time again, and especially in the first half, um, when they were you know they're, they're handed a lead, they immediately retreated into themselves and they can't deal with a, a set piece. Um, Aberdeen had a bit of you know had, were on the ascendancy for a bit. They then score, uh, kind of against the run of play. But from that point, they had all the all the momentum, and they again they sort of slowly surrendered all the momentum. A bit like you were saying when they they turned the corner, they don't seem to have turned in at any point such a rotten performance that you know yeah. Dundee have or Hamilton have. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that I can't like, remember. Oh I can't... my god, they are terrible. But they but they they're consistently falling short. Yeah, I can't remember them taking any big. Big beatings, um, certainly. I mean, not yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it. Okay, they got beat point. 4 0 off Rangers, but it was like a bunch of penalties. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they, I mean, they, they came to Rugby Park just before Christmas, and I think Kelly were 2 0 up in 10 minutes. And at that stage, it looked like it could have been about 40 0. And then they scored, and, and actually, I think it finished 2 1. Um, but they never actually, they almost settled at 2 1. And I wonder if that's kind of some extent of it. They're going behind as well, and they're, and they're not even necessarily even trying to pull it back too much. I just I just have I just have grave concerns about them where Dundee have picked up in terms of just they've just recruited incredibly well. Mm. They've seemed to have a really good team now and Hamilton have changed manager and that seems to have made an impact okay they lost this weekend but they made an impact on the way they play and stuff. Samirin so have stuck with the same manager that they've had for most of the season who hasn't been getting the results and they've brought in players but you have no idea of the quality of the players because they're mainly unknown quantities um, some of them come with a good reputation but you don't know what they are uh, I think there is there is a bit of a worry I mean you would obviously regardless of what happens you would hope that he would get enough time next season to put things right and recruit again properly over the summer whether they're in this division or, or, the, or the championship but there's not yet been uh, he's not had a bounce yet. He's not had a run of games where you're like, right. He's obviously imposing his style on on the on the team. Uh, to their credit, in this game, they, it was the first time I've seen them where you're like, right. I can see what they're trying to do, and they sort of. They, I mean, I mean, all told, it's a good result, but it comes yeah. at the same time as when Dundee pull away from them for yeah. uh, a game that we'll get to in a second after and they look like they've got a team there that's but, capable of uh, putting a couple of wins together it's that, it's that thing of they had the lead you know and they had well they had the lead twice right yeah. twice. And, they're, they're, um, and they look like they could have lost yeah, the game that's what I mean yeah. and that, that's the worry that you have it's not obviously going to if you say it at the start of the weekend yes 2-2 two, two at Pataudry excellent result but Aberdeen as you say didn't play well um, which they haven't actually much this year um, and uh, they still couldn't, and, and when your opponents have, when you're being given that opportunity in a big game like that to get three points that could be, you know, bonus points essentially, and you can't take them, it just, I don't know, it worries me for them. I, I say I'm worried, I, I'd quite happily see them relegated. <laughs> but, uh, it's, I mean, there, there were very, to put it in some context, there were very level headed Aberdeen fans who were saying it was one of the three worst performances under McInnes. And, wow. you know, he's had some. 
bad results at times. Well, we don't have time to go into it, but I was going to ask you about the home form because it's been pretty poor recently. Um, they, yeah, lost to Celtic, draw with Stenhouse Muir, draw with Kilmarnock, lost to Rangers, win over Queen of the South, and then draw with St Mirren. That's the last, what, five matches? That's, that's pretty poor. Yeah, I mean, I, similarly to, to kind of the concerns over Kelly's form, the, the loss to Celtic was, you know, it was 4 3. It was a good game. They had their chances, played well. The Stenhouse Muir game, they were pretty poor but written off and, and got through in the second uh, in the replay Rangers game could have gone either way and were largely quite good but for and the Kelly game can just be forgotten forever well, the Kelly game should be consigned to, to the bin forever the only one of those that's been a real concern has, has you know the real pressing concern is is this one where they didn't play well at all there now have to be questions asked about, particularly, I think, Gary McKay-Steven, who... Again, again, he looked poor. The problem is, they've got two... They've got two... Because they, they obviously wanted to recruit another winger in January and didn't do it fine. If everyone's working the way they should do, there, are, there should be enough options. But he obviously signed Greg Stewart to play behind the, the main striker, but, he's, but McInnes is now stuck in a position where you've either got to play... One of McGinn or Gary McKay-Steven. McKay-Steven looks, whether it's true or not, that his head is in New York, whether he is or not. Like He he just doesn't look... like He's always been inconsistent, but he just doesn't even look like, like his heart's in it at the moment. And that may be incredibly unfair, but that's, that's certainly what it looks like. McGinn, since he's come back from Korea, has either been a complete game-changer or completely anonymous. Yeah. If you've got both of those players playing at the same time then you're effectively playing with nine men. And when uh, this season they've had Conor McLennan, who has been excellent and has the same amount of assists as McGinn and more goals than Gary McKay-Steven, he came on and did more than any player in the uh, in the pitch to, to turn the game. And when the only other option for a wide man is to play Greg Stewart there and put Stevie May in behind, then you're kind of but messing with it, your It just felt like the, the signing of Stewart didn't make sense for a lot of reasons, um, many of which are... Um, personal, personal. <laughs> but but just the fact that he doesn't seem like Cosgrove doesn't seem like an ideal foil for him either. Mm-hmm. He's had the success with Hemmings and Brophy, who are both kind of quick, you know, like kind of pest strikers mm-hmm. rather than the kind of more target man style. And so it just felt like if you were asking him to go and play with Stevie May, that would make sense. But mm-hmm. Cosgrove obviously is undroppable at the moment, and then yeah. you're like, well, where does Stuart fit in? Where do the wingers fit in? And and it does all just become a bit. Yeah. I think had it. I mean, I think I think Cosgrove is deceptively quick, and um, and I think in theory that could work, but the 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 one player they were crying out for in January was another winger because of the the problems with consistency, and not getting that means that there's three more problems thrown up. There was one winger you did have, but you let him go on loan to yeah. Dundee, and he seems to be doing the business. He seems to be a game changer for them at the moment. Uh, Dundee, we'll get to him in a minute because Dundee kind of did this the hard way after being given a man advantage when Sean Byrne went and stood showing on a what's his name had had Hadeus's right wrist. <laughs> he almost took his hand off. Yeah, it was it was one of those very Livingston challenges. It reminded me, I mean, it wasn't quite to the same extent, but that um, that famous one of uh, Jason Talbot in the championship. Um, oh, yeah, with, uh, on uh, Sam, Sam Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. And, he, uh, you know, he just comes out of nowhere and just it's just like stud straight. Yellow cards. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Later upgraded to red. Yeah, it was just a, a, a challenge that 
Well, yeah, there wasn't deliberate. He didn't go out to hit him, but it's Livingston, and you kind of see it coming, and you're like, yep, okay. And uh, but it's very Livingston to to get a man sent off, and then basically immediately scored anyway. Um, That's the fifth set piece goal in a row that um, Livingston have scored against Dundee, and I haven't really gone back and had a look to see how many set-piece goals they've scored recently because obviously at the start of the season they were scoring pretty much nothing but set-piece goals. But I think a lot of teams have got them figured out now or uh, at least know how to mitigate it to an extent. Not Dundee. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always been a bit of a problem for Dundee, I think, like with various managers. like They just they just concede cheap goals all the time. But unlike what they've got now, is they've actually got a much better team. As I say, I watched them... Um, against Kelly um, last, last midweek um, whenever it was the 2-2 game and was very impressed by them just the signings that they've made um, right, right being a big part of that he's just he just gets them up the park so much he's so direct he wants the ball and when he gets it he does well and then Nelson given the, the reports I saw from at Falkirk was that the Falkirk fans liked him but he didn't say, you know, he wasn't like an amazing standout player in the championship, but he's come up and he looks like such a really shrewd piece of business. The Sunderland been... supporters, with that Twitter thread that yeah. announced that he had left, there was a lot of annoyed Sunderland supporters Especially... at that. And I thought that was quite telling because I'm the same as you. I saw his Falkirk stint and thought, well, why are they getting a guy that didn't yeah. do well in the championship? Yeah, but he... The fact they can get him, they've got him permanently as well, it makes such a difference because you're like, it's, it's our player and... He's he's got two goals against Kelly and he could he could add more. He caused um, he caused the defence him and Curran caused the defence trouble um, in that game. And then it was the same again. It was such a nice nice uh, nice header as well that he scored. And he, he seems really confident. And I think obviously that you want to bring in players who are better quality than we've got, and that wasn't that hard for Dundee to do. But also you you want to bring in guys who just don't have experience of being shite for six months mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like. Well, he's confident, yeah. Well, he, and and he looks incredibly confident. He looks for a young guy. Looks like ready to leave the leave line. What four and four already, um, and just has has completely transformed the dynamic up front. And, and they do look like they've got a constant goal threat, and they do look like they have someone. They've they've got they've got a, a number of different threats it's and a, a number a, of different alleyways. It's a team that had been playing with a strike without a striker for eighteen months, basically. Yeah. Um, even when Kenny Miller came in, and obviously he did score a hat trick against Hamilton, but he had a wee burst of form. He's, yeah, he's not a striker who leads the line in any way. And these days, anyway, he's a striker who, even when he's trying to do a bit less, he still pops up in the left wing half the time, and it brings a lot to the team. And I think it, sometimes that criticism is a bit unfair because I think Miller has always contributed a lot to whatever team he plays for, but he just. He's not someone who's going to lead the line in the way that Dundee needs someone. They need a, you're in a battle and you need a guy who's going to stand in the middle and you know he's there and you can hit him. You know, he's just a constant presence and that's what Nelson's offered. And I think I think he could be one of the best bits of business. Um, in the, and, I, and I'm pretty, pretty confident now that Dundee are going to finish um, outside. I think, I think so yeah, too. Yeah, I, I think, think Hamilton will probably drop into the playoff position. I, I can't see Simmerin finishing anywhere other than bottom now, which I know is not a bold prediction or anything. <laughs> but, um, I mean, another great bit of business has been Scott Wright. That was an absolutely fantastic uh, finish for the free kick, I um, for the winner. I, I know I made a quip about him. Um, it was for link purposes because I think that even if he was at Aberdeen at the moment, um, he either wouldn't be getting in the team or he wouldn't be turning in performances like that. It's the kind of, it looks like the it's the kind of move that he really needed where he could 
could just go away where there's kind of maybe maybe lower expectations, uh, but he's going to play every week and he's going to get a good run at yeah, it. Reminds me, I think it was when Peter Pollock got sent to St Johnston on loan, yeah. and it kind of was probably the making of him as a player. And I think it could be the same for Wright. He's had to, I mean, he played a lot of games for Aberdeen in the first half of the season. He must have played about twenty times for Aberdeen. But, but Partick just got relegated, of, so he was he was not of, good in any of those games. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, yeah, there was a lot of sub appearances in the. Um, yeah, he just needed to be, a, yeah, almost a more important cog in the team to learn that kind of ability to take on a bit of responsibility, which he's never had to do at Aberdeen. I think that's the thing for young players. You saw Hasty come in at Mullerwell and he's taken on the responsibility. But I think at Aberdeen in particular, because we've got so many big characters, it's easy for someone like that to just shrink away and just say, well, I'm not needing to lead here. But then he goes into a D team where some of his teammates are, are shit. And he's like, well, okay, I'm better than these guys. I need to be the one. <laughs> and he carry them. Yeah. Well, I mean, two. Two, not last season, the season before. Like he, it looked like he, it was the mantle was passed oh, yeah. from McGinn to uh, to Scott Wright, and uh, I think the second youngest hat trick in the Scottish top flight for however I don't know how, but after Anthony Stokes, um, and he looked incredibly unpredictable. He could play with both feet. He could he could play on either wing. He could play as a number ten, and it did look like there was a really big future for him. I think the loan move could have probably should have happened for him a year ago. Right. And certainly there were stories that he asked to go out on loan last season, um, last January, because he, he wanted that that kind of game time and there was talk of him going to St. Johnston or um, I think Dundee were probably were possibly interested last last um, last year. And it would have done him a, a lot of good because last year was kind of a write-off. He, I mean, he, he appeared intermittently, came back, looked like he was back in favour at the start of the season um, but kind of dropped in and out of the team and like you say he needs a he needs to be a big game player he's got ability he can hit from distance he practices free kicks apparently stays back to practice free kicks for after exactly yeah. there you go that's what that kind of dedication does at moments like that yeah. uh, but the thing is it's, like it's reinforcing for the player as well because he could, sit, he could stay at Aberdeen and practice his free kicks all at once and then when he's on the park he's probably not going to get to hit one because yeah. again or someone's going yeah. to step up and take it whereas there he actually sees that that what hard work pays off and it probably makes him you know dub, double his efforts in some ways um, looking at Livy like I think this is going to be just a bit of a doll into the season for them well like, I was going to say I mean is it too early to predict that they're going to go down next season and should David Martindale be sacked before that happens? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hard. It's very hard to predict because you don't know what. The, the I know, I know, but it just it. seems to be that it's the momentum, the, the, the large part of their success this season, and not to diminish it in any way, is the momentum they carried from winning the league two years in a row, uh, the two successive promotions, and uh, sorry, not winning the league. They were both successive promotions. Uh, the, obviously the second one was through the playoffs but it was a lot of it was momentum and uh, them being a different proposition and um, t- teams taking a while to figure them out and again it's not to diminish that achievement anymore but I, I think the, 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 the inverse of that might be happening now where I don't know and you just look some of the signings they've made recently I know Joel pointed, pointed out in a quite a recent podcast about guys like Erskine Sybold was a summer signing, I suppose, but they just don't seem like Livy players that fit into that system. And I, I just wonder whether the race is run and they're not really going to recover from this. It's hard to tell because, I mean, 
they're going to have to have a big refresh in the summer. They're, they're definitely not going to get relegated this year. I just don't. They're they're, they're way too far ahead. Um, definitely not having something like definitely not. points ahead, right? Um, and they um, yeah, they've got thirty-one. Dundee have got eighteen. Yeah, okay, behind point, them yeah, as of Hamilton. Not happening. Um, but they're going to lose Gallagher. Presumably, they're going to lose Halkett. Um, It'd be interesting to see what Lithgow hangs about. There might be interest from in the Premiership in him after the season he's had. Like he's not, he's not someone you're immediately. Yes, he's definitely going to. And then you can easily see others wanting Burn, to jump ship Burn after that happens if they're going to get um, Premiership clubs. Burn is probably going to find another. Burn club. could play in the Premiership. Um, Either any of the midfield three that started the season uh, yeah. will get. Yeah, premiership I think Jacobs clubs. is probably one that will hang about, but they're going to need a big overhaul, and it'll be interesting to see what they do then. Um, but for now, I think they can be happy with their season regardless of how it pans out. Everyone expected them to finish 12th, so the fact that they won't is still a success, but it's it can be that bad momentum. As you say, if, if, if they'd had the season the other way around, they're gonna, you know, if, they'd, if they started the way Dundee have, they started really badly and then picked up, it almost sets you better up for the next season than, yep. than the opposite. I think regardless of... I mean, we assume that St Mirren and... Hamilton are in the bottom two positions and they go down and are, and are replaced by any of the top current top four or five I think you would say starting next season even with current squads Livy would be the 11th 12th best squad say if, you, would, you would say that they're still probably one of the favourites to go down so I don't think it would be a massive surprise if they lose a bunch of their squad and they've got to totally rebuild and people think well that's them done but they're they're a couple of years ahead of schedule at the moment. Yeah, anyway. mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if if you've seen that, if Air come, I'm not just saying that, but if Air came up, they would they would go straight back down, and there would be no disgrace for them. But the other teams there, yeah, Ross County, Dundee United, even Inverness, if they come up, they're going to be favoured ahead of Levy. Right, so let's move on to the next game uh, where we've got the first look at new Hibs manager Paul Heckingbottom, who looks like he's signed from Spandau Bally. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, uh, very good introduction to the press memes, where he he looked he was very kind of smart and dapper, but also kind of car salesman. That expression time. on his face, it's very good. It's, <laughs> it's quite discerning. That side on look. Yeah, it's um, very hard to tell. You know, obviously, first game, very hard to tell from from any kind of impression he would have, but. Very hard to tell because Hamilton were absolutely rotten and intent on giving Hibbs all the chances. It's a very attacking lineup yeah. from Hamilton. The three strikers uh, and then Andrew in the midfield as well. It was it was very attacking. Yeah, it's just they they're trying. I think he's he's maybe overcompensated a bit in that game, right? Where he's obviously talked about being positive and and he's he's shown that in the previous games where he's gone out. He's played um, played kind of attacking football and they've they've got good results and he's almost thought like he's going to double down on it and. Go to Hibs. I mean, they they got beat. I think six one off Hibs earlier in the season. So at least it six wasn't, nil, I think. Nil, yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't that. Um, it's about the only team Hibs beat. Yeah, but they just uh, so and Celtic being the other one that they seem to always. Pick right up enough. The, uh, but then um, again, Hamilton. It's not this game that's the big one for them. They they could have got something. Obviously, taking points off Hibs before, but they're they're almost kind of. Just the positivity. That's not going to. That's not going to take that positivity away. That's come from the new appointment and stuff like that. And that's not to say Rice will do well. It's it's very early days on them in general. But 
for Hibs, it's like yeah, heck and bottom. You don't you don't learn much about him from beating Hamilton two 0 You learn much about him. When yeah, you, you they, know. they. I thought the Hibs setup uh, and lineup had uh, kind of, and the subs that came on had very much had the feel that he's given everybody a clean slate and given everybody a chance to impress because he kept the same lineup. He switched it slightly. Finally, Daryl Hoggins playing on the wing, and lo and behold, he gets an assist. I mean, the guy was bought as a winger, showed quite a lot of early promise in his Hibs career as a winger, and then was kind of just shunted about. He played wing back a couple of times, um, played as a number ten quite a lot, and I know he scored as a number ten against Wraith last week, but that's Wraith. Wraith can't even or the only full time team in their league and they can't even get close to the top of that so I mean it's not that huge a feat scoring against them but yeah it's just and you see you see the difference in him as he's as he's kind of moved out to the wing um, so yeah I think it's going to be very much I mean there's a good chance that they could still get back into the top six but I think for this season it's probably going to be a bit of let's see what I've got for the rest of the season from Heckenbottom. It can be good for a new manager, especially someone who's basically no connection to Scottish football before, so it's a big learning curve for him to come in, and it's good to have that length of time to... Yeah, as you say, they've not got a great deal to play for because they're still in the Scottish Cup, and if they they can win against Celtic, then they're they're going to be one of the favourites for the Scottish Cup. um, And Rodgers has never won at Easter Road. Yeah, so there's a lot riding on that game, but in the league, yeah, they might finish top six. They're they're probably too far back for Europe, so they've not not got a lot to play for, which means they can experiment a bit. They can maybe look at the the, likes, the the young guys, you know, the likes of Lewis Allen and these other, um, or or Portis, indeed. The, The young boys that are I've been on the fringes of the team. Okay, Portis a bit further on than that, but that uh, there's been a lot of talk about these Hibs youngsters, and none of them have really imposed themselves a great deal. So he might be able to get a look at them for a, a sustained run. I think if you were being very positive and trying and just you know looking at accentuating the positives, they looked to all intents and purposes, like a team that had a gloom lifted from them, Canberra and McNulty. Canberra especially, looked yeah. Looked like they, they were sparky. They, they I thought you saw really that well, from, sorry to interrupt, but I thought you saw that from Sean in the St Mirren game, the game after Lennon left. He looked like a kind of player with weight off his shoulders. I think Canberra was still kind of carrying a bit. His body language, every time he missed a chance, he was kind of getting uh, mopey and stuff. But this one, yeah, he looked like it was, yeah, he looked like he was rejuvenated in a sense. I'm not sure if he touched that when it went in, but I'm not sure if it was his goal, but still, I mean, he needs it. Even Horgan's probably like, if anybody needs yeah, a goal, it's him, just give it to him. Fine. Yeah, if it helps the team overall. But they, they looked... They looked bright and breezy, and I thought the the forward two looked up looked up better than I mean, arguably better than any of the forward two attempts uh, appearing that Hibs have had in the last eighteen months. They've tried to find some. That's been like the one part of the jigsaw that didn't ever seem to quite fit. But I thought that they they uh, linked up really well. The caveat to all of this, of course, is it was Hamilton, and as attacking as they tried to be, there were times they had like five players within six yards of the penalty spot and just you know were letting them they were bombarded with crosses that they weren't attacking and just didn't have a, have a good day of it at all but chance to experiment for Hibs it does seem like everyone's got a clean slate the squad is more than good enough to see them through the end of the season and do some you know do enough to not have a complete car crash of a season and uh yeah, I mean, if he's a long-term appointment, then he's got he's got a summer that's not going to need a huge amount to rebuild. 
yeah, there's definitely a lot there to work with. We, I forgot we didn't mention the um, the penalty shout that Livy had at one one in the, the last game we were um, we were covering. So um, I don't know, maybe I think they should add a penalty. I think that was at one one. So maybe they won't get relegated next season. But there, there's one there's one game to go, um, and it's nil nil. That's why it's at the end, and it was Rangers Sans Morelos nil. St Johnston nil. So, so can I start by having a little bit of a rant here? Yes, please. I have read <laughs> several articles or people saying that Rangers have Morelos to blame. Oh yeah, for, I know. for not being in the title race. Oh no. Oh, what, no. What, the, what the fuck is that about? Sorry, sorry to be crude, but there if was they didn't one have, if, in particular, if, I read today, and I was thinking that's just a grudge that you're continuing it, to hold. The fact that Morelos is suspended and they don't win, okay, it's Morelos's fault for getting suspended, but that does not mean that he is responsible. There's ten other players there. There would be other no there. title race would, without Morelos. Rangers would be fifth in the league without Morelos. <laughs> yeah. Like they genuinely would be. They're, they're only they're only a handful of points ahead of fifth as it is, and he has. Essentially, single-handedly dragged that team through. Okay, they've had other performances from players at times. Kent's had good spells. Middleton's had good spells. They've been getting um, even like the midfielders have had spells of scoring goals and stuff. But fundamentally, Rangers are the biggest one-man team in the league. Morelos has dragged them through so many games this season. Has won them so many points. Essentially, exactly single-handedly. And so to say that he it's his fault that they have not won is just. It's just bollocks. Um, but you did see how much he was missed. You saw that yes, they would have, they would be closer in the title race if he was if he hadn't been suspended for a big bunch of games. But that's kind of down to Jermaine Defoe not being up to it. And again, I keep feeling like I'm tempting fake with with the game in midweek, but he probably won't start. Um, Lafferty's just been a, a big, big waste of money. Just pouring, pouring. Can't believe like, every passing game. I think I can't believe how much money we've we got for him. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was a good signing at the time as well. But yeah, Craig, Craig Levine and our fifteen players next summer, and uh, <laughs> it's yeah, ten goalkeepers in, and all of them will flap at some point. And uh, yeah, it's just I, I couldn't buy that. The fact is, when he's not in the team, they're, they're awful. Um, at times and that's two nil nils in a row without him the defence has been doing their part um, just about yeah, Warrell's got really good after that howler um, that he had actually and, and Fodderingham came in and, and did very well um, mm-hmm. it was one incredible save um, which kept them at a point but yeah, to, to to pin that on Morelos not I mean to, you, it's fair enough to criticise Morelos for getting suspended yes of course of course his um, discipline and Rangers fans are, have been trying to stick up from his discipline's a problem. It's called, it's a big problem for them. He's had several red cards and he's dodged red cards. But to go and say to take that and then say, well, it's his fault that they aren't challenging. No, it's just not true. And I think another on another side of this that's that's not really highlighted enough. One of the reasons that he is so effective is he's a niggly shit. Yeah. He's like elbows and stamping and every yeah. like pushing it to the extent. But that that makes him an absolute nightmare to play against, and that's one of the reasons that he's a level above every other striker in the league. Now, take that away. This is like cliche alert, but take that away from him, and he's half the player. So you do have to mitigate that with some other talent elsewhere in the squad. You'd think with the huge amount of money that's been invested, not just fees but in wages, there would be someone else who would be capable of stepping in for the six I'm- eight. 
10 games well, a season and with no disrespect to St Johnston they're a very good team they're playing St Johnston at home if yeah. they have any pretensions of winning the league they should be beating St Johnston at home with 5 players out, not just their goalkeeper and striker yeah, even even when Morelos is playing, the goals should be getting shared around more. Yeah. But yeah, obviously in his absence, they need it even more, and they're just not. Yeah, there's just not enough or anybody stepping up to fill that gap when he's not there. It's not even. I mean, it's not even like they you take him out and they don't have another player that can go in and play the same way. You know that is that is also true to some extent, but it's. They take him out and they don't know how to play. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's like there isn't a plan B. I mean, we criticised Jared a little bit earlier in the season when if things weren't working, his tactics seemed to be to throw on more attackers. But you know, he has seemed to have learned a little bit how to change a game. But the the idea that you're so effective for playing with this one way with this one particular player, and then you don't just rip up the way you're playing. Because he's not there, it's like everybody does. Everybody loses all kind of sight of how they were to, had played previously. To finish it, Rangers before going a bit to St Johnston, like Gerard again is taking no personal responsibility mm. whatsoever for yet another bad result for his yeah. team. Now I'm trying to remember back to what game it was, and um, I'm struggling to remember. The, it was a game like what? Obviously, when we were in Kelly beat them at Rugby Park, and they were chasing the game late on, and he was sitting slumped on the bench, head in hands, and it was such an overt deliberate action that he was trying to distance himself look at what I've got from, to yeah, work with look at, mm. it's, it's for a manager at a big club like that like I, I find it embarrassing like to say oh I have spent so much money in January and already you know wages in Defoe uh, Fionn Davis wages on Davis various other things what he spent in the summer he's relying on a guy that the previous manager signed on the cheap who is okay, potentially one of the best players in the league, is one of the best players in the league, and then to say, oh, I've got nothing to work with, you're playing against St Johnston, you've got 20 times the budget of that St Johnston mm-hmm. team, and then to come out and essentially say, oh, it's not it's not me, it's the players, I told the players what to do, it's the worst thing you can get from a manager, and it, it just, yeah, it, it's a major frustration for me that he's, their fans seem to be letting him away with it as much as anything because he comes out and moans about a referee every now and then. Right, we're a wee bit over, so we're just going to have to go quickly on St. Johnson. A couple of sentences each. I'm going to say mine as Cammy Bell got a clean sheet at Ibrox, so that's something. <laughs> First I would say that, but he, he uh, played in a win for Kelly there, so uh, he said he's done it before, but he couldn't have had many easier debuts, to be honest, considering where he was going and all that. Like, uh, they didn't trouble him very much. No. Um, if and if anything, yeah, team, St. Yeah. Johnston, I mean, Blair Alston could have continued his excellent scoring record yeah. at Ibrox and won the game. I keep watching that back, and even though I know that it didn't go in, <laughs> I keep expecting it to go in. But he fully expects it. Because he's just, away, he's, yeah. just like, he's so used to it. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny because I read sort of a St. Johnston thread on Pine Bovril, but in the early 90s when Tommy Burns played for Kelly, he... Um, there was a Scottish Cup game against St Johnston. I think they might have been the league above us at the time. And Kelly went to, I want to say McDermott Park it was by then. And Tommy Burns has this lob from about 35 yards. And it goes over the keeper and it bounces on the grass. And everyone thinks it's in. And he thinks it's in. And then it bounces up and over the bar. And, and it was just very reminiscent of that. And every time you watch it, you're like, yeah, this is a goal. And then it wasn't. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was uh, very impressed with them. Um the to to go to Ibrox and they've, they've had results at Ibrox before, but to go and just play so confidently and and to look 
untroubled essentially mm-hmm. by it's very happy yeah. not to and after Celtic. being yeah and after <laughs> that run of games against Celtic um, yeah and they are I think I think they will um, go in and finish sixth right we're going to leave it there you guys didn't get an intro and you're not going to get an outro either say bye guys bye bye Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>